In your Bibles, please, for our second reading, our Old Testament reading, to the 37th chapter of the book of Exodus. Exodus 37 and verse 1. Here now, the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. And Bezalel made the ark of Shittim wood. Two cubits and a half was the length of it, and a cubit and a half the breadth of it, and a cubit and a half the height of it. And he overlaid it with pure gold within and without, and made a crown of gold to it round about. And he cast for it four rings of gold to be set by the four corners of it, even two rings upon the one side of it and two rings upon the other side of it. And he made staves of shittim wood and overlaid them with gold. And he put the staves into the rings by the sides of the ark to bear the ark. And he made the mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half was the length thereof, and one cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And he made two cherubims of gold, beaten out of one piece made he them, on the two ends of the mercy seat. One cherub on the end on this side, and another cherub on the other end on that side. Out of the mercy seat made he the cherubims on the two ends thereof. And the cherubim spread out their wings on high and covered with their wings over the mercy seat. With their faces one to another, even to the mercy seatward were the faces of the cherubims. And he made the table of shittim wood. Two cubits was the length thereof, and a half a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And he overlaid it with pure gold. And made thereunto a crown of gold round about. Also he made thereunto a border of an handbreadth round about. And made a crown of gold for the border thereof round about. And he cast for it four rings of gold. And put the rings upon the four corners that were in the four feet thereof. Over against the border were the rings, the places for the staves to bear the table. And he made the staves of shittim wood and overlaid them with gold to bear the table. And he made the vessels which were upon the table, his dishes and his spoons and his bowls and his covers to cover with all of pure gold. And he made the candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work made he the candlestick, his shaft and his branch, his bowls, his knops and his flowers were of the same. And six branches going out of the sides thereof, three branches of the candlestick out of the one side thereof, and three branches of the candlestick out of the other side thereof, three bowls made after the fashion of almonds in one branch, a knop and a flower, and three bowls made like almonds in another branch, a knop and a flower, so throughout the six branches going out of the candlestick. And in the candlestick were four bowls made like almonds, his knops and his flowers, and a knop under two branches of the same, and a knop under two branches of the same, and a knop under two branches of the same, according to the six branches going out of it. 
Their knobs and their branches were of the same. All of it was one beaten work of pure gold. And he made his seven lamps and his snuffers and his snuff dishes of pure gold. Of a talent of pure gold made he it and all the vessels thereof. And he made the incense altar of shatim wood. The length of it was a cubit and the breadth of it a cubit. It was four square and two cubits was the height of it. The horns thereof were of the same. And he overlaid it with pure gold, both the top of it and the sides thereof round about. And the horns of it also he made unto it a crown of gold round about. And he made two rings of gold for it under the crown thereof by the two corners of it upon the two sides thereof to be places for the staves to bear it withal. And he made the staves of shittim wood and overlaid them with gold. And he made the holy anointing oil and the pure incense of sweet spices according to the work of the apothecary. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. So this is a great passage in that we are progressing now to the end of the book of Exodus. What is the book of Exodus about? It's about the Exodus, obviously, them coming out of Egypt, but much more than that also. It's about them receiving the law. It's about Moses spending 40 days and 40 nights with the Lord, two separate 40-day tours to receive from the Lord all that we're seeing built here. Now, we have heard over and again, haven't we, about the pattern, about the artisans, about Moses and what he received. And we have noted that they were always put in a particular order. Even here now, when we talk about Bezalel and Aholiab and their helpers, those that were endued with the Spirit of God, they begin now to build what had been described and planned. Okay, so we have a few chapters leading up to the building of it. Now we're going to have the building of it. This will take us through the end of the book of Exodus. And then we'll have a glimpse at the end of the book of Exodus of it being put into practice. Of it being, if you will, commissioned and put to its labor. But in the book of Leviticus, we have ten chapters or nine chapters that draw us up to where that is indeed put into place. So this is the sweep of of what we're seeing here. Notice that the perspective of the construction, the perspective of the planning, it is all from God's perspective. It is inside out. We always begin in the Holy of Holies and we look outward from there. And the application we have consistently made throughout is that worship ought to be perceived by the people of God from God's perspective. Who do we come to serve? And how do we serve him? And what does he think of these services? When we begin to ask ourselves the question, what did you get out of it? What did it do for you? What did it do for me? We're not asking an illegitimate question, but that cannot be the first question. The first question is, how does it appear to God? Is it good service to him? And we confess, as we have before, that even all of these services that Bezalel and Aholiab had put 
for these uh, artifacts that were in the tabernacle and out of the tabernacle and so on. We know, don't we, that while they, they may possess a certain outward perfection, that in the eyes of the Lord there is nothing perfect but himself. The heavens are not clean in his sight. If you were to ask, what is God pleased with? The answer to that question is, God is pleased with himself. He's pleased with himself. And that is perfectly legitimate for us to think about. That would not be legitimate for us. We're creatures. But it is for him. This is why the only righteousness that can obtain in his sight is the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the God-man. God is pleased with himself. And so even these artifacts, as beautiful as they were, and of course none of these things exist anymore, the Lord took them away. And he did that for a reason, so that they would not become objects of worship or people wouldn't somehow put them back into commission when they don't belong in commission any longer. But were we there on that day, we would have seen an outward glory and beauty. But if we looked closely, we may have been able to ascertain little things. Little things. Maybe the 12 rows or the 12 gemstones on that ephod were, you know, one of them was just a little bit crooked. Maybe it was a little bit loose in the socket. Maybe one cherubim was a millimeter taller than the other one. Something maybe we wouldn't know unless we put it under great scrutiny. But God knows all. And he chose to accept this worship. He commanded it to the people of God. This worship was acceptable in Christ. Never on its own. The other thing that I want to remember here, not only the perspective of God and the artifacts themselves... But the other thing I I want to remind you of and I want to remind myself of is this. Both Peter and Paul, when they were addressing, um, Peter addressed the Jerusalem council, Paul addressed Peter. And he said, why would we put a yoke upon the Gentiles that we nor our fathers were unable to bear? This service of the Old Testament with all of its sacrifices, with all of its furniture, with all of its packing up and carrying it around with the staves and the rings and the testimony that it had to it being temporary. Beloved, listen to me carefully when I say it was a burdensome ceremony. Three times every year the people of God were commanded to travel overland and bring sacrifices with them to be sacrificed in Jerusalem only at Passover, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Booths. They lived underneath a canopy of branches for one week out of the year. Jerusalem was turned into a slaughterhouse three weeks out of the year besides the daily offerings that were offered there besides those offerings being doubled every Sabbath day, 
There were 24 courses of priests that rotated through those labors because no one course of priests could bear it alone. It was a burdensome ceremony, beloved. Not so in the days of the New Testament. And yet, the human condition is such that in whatever condition we find ourselves, we can find it burdensome in one way or another. So let us guard our hearts and give thanks to God. Read the chapter on Christian liberty in our confession of faith and remember that one part of Christian liberty is liberty from the onus ceremony of the Old Testament. And give thanks to God for that. But also give thanks in the right way. That while we do not have the same kind of outward pomp and grandeur of the Old Testament, we have a greater spiritual glory and efficacy that the saints in the Old Testament did not understand. And beloved, this is why we prepare to come to worship the Lord on Saturday nights and literally a little bit all week long every day. Why? Because of the glory, the spiritual glory and efficacy that we want to be able and ready to receive. It's here. It is here. Like Jesus said to the Pharisees, you know, you have uh, uh, people from all over the world came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And a greater than Solomon is here. And beloved, I'm not talking about me. (laughs) Paltry little Pastor Riddell uh, compared to the wisdom of Solomon. Forget that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the greater Solomon, that greater son of David. And it is him that we come to hear. So let's remember that as we think on the, the construction and the putting into commission all of those Old Testament artifacts and ceremonies. All right, with that then, let's stand and continue.